rather been called the junior leader, but that's okay. That's okay. Now, I want to tell you, wasn't that wonderful this morning? And you know, as wonderful as that was, when you get in the heat of the battle next week, that's not what you need. You need the Word of God. Because, you know, when uh, Jesus went off in Satan, off into where Satan tempted him into the wilderness, it is written. And it's the Word of God that will take you through. This only prepares your heart and your, your soil to receive the word where it can take, grow in the word, in you. That's what that's for. And it takes the word of God. And I want to tell you everything that's been said this morning leads up to what God wants you to have right now. It led up. Everything that has been said led right up to it. The title of this message is Break Up Your Fallow Ground. Amen. 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 How many of you are old enough to remember Millie Vanilli? If you don't remember him, or you're too young to know who they were, they were two guys that sang at this rock group from the late 80s, early 90s. You probably weren't even born then. But what they did was they lip-synced. And, yeah, they didn't really sing. They just lip-synced. Somebody else was doing the singing. The Word of God has been so rich this month, I thought about doing that. I thought about just reaching some of the other messages that's already been preached, because they're good. But I couldn't get down Pastor Rose's voice. I couldn't get down his motions and his movements. I tried, but it couldn't work. But God always has a fresh word. He always has a fresh word. And those other words that's been preached, you need to go back and listen to them, because my, oh my, oh my, they are rich. They are rich. Uh, Abigail's message, when she was talking about love that flows well. And every sermon this month has fallen right in to love. One of the problems that uh, you have with uh, lip syncing them, it was hard to pick which one was the best. It was hard. But I'm good. The title is Breaking Up Your Fallow Ground. Breaking Up Your Fallow Ground it's mentioned twice in Scripture. It's once in Jeremiah and once Hosea. I want to tell you one thing right now. If you want to really hear strong correction, you get in the minor prophets. Jeremiah, Hosea, Habakkuk, Nahum. They just tell it like it is. They don't sugarcoat it. They tell you like it is. And if you want to grow in the Lord, you will take that message and put it in your heart and start making the changes. I thought when I was reading that, I thought, good grief, they think I'm strong. Look, listen to those guys out there. But, you know, I'm not, I'm, there's neither, I'm either black or white. They're either tis or a taint. There is no in-between with me. I'm either black or it is or it isn't. And that's the way God's word is. But sometimes we try and make it like we want it to say. We try and change it the way that we want it to. But God's word is, it is, or it isn't. Israel... In Jeremiah, Israel had once again strayed away from God and his commandments. And once God again was reaching out to them to come back to him. You know, you would have thought God would have got tired of that. But he loved them so much, he did not. Just like he does us today. He so loved the children of Israel. And we are the spiritual Israel. He so loves us that he keeps reaching back to us. But we're kind of like Samson. You know, Samson had a problem with his eye. He wondered, he saw this beautiful woman, 
that he wanted to have for a wife. And God had already told him, and his parents even said to him, why can't you find one in your own people? But no, he wanted what he didn't, wasn't supposed to have. Now, I want to tell you, you spiritual eyes, David had the same problem. But your eyes can wonder, not only sexually, but it can wonder materialistically. It can wonder to where you want to have fun. It could wonder to all kinds of things in the world. And sometimes we are so blinded to it that we don't see it. And Pastor Rowe has been talking about the American church and the church of America. Children of Israel was like the American church. But God wants us to be the church of America. But we have the same problem as the children of Israel because we are the American church. We keep wandering away. We keep doing what we think is right in our own sight. We don't want to get into the word of God. And when it comes to the church, we want to worship. We want to come here. We want to worship. We want to feel good. We want to praise. But we don't want God's word to correct us. And God's word will correct you. And it hurts sometimes. It hurts. But when it hurts, that's the best time because once it hurts, you get closer to God. You get to feel his presence. And there is nothing in this world that is as good and as fulfilling as filling the presence of God. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. But you know, we're kind of like a diet. We want to eat everything that we see and still lose weight. We want to do everything that we want to do and still have the presence of God. Is that not true? Is that not true? That's what we want. We want to loot, we want the pounds to fall off and we want to put all those milkshakes and them hamburgers and that fast food and all that stuff that's not good for us. And we just want the weight to fall off. And that's the same way we are with God. We want to do everything under the sun. And then the first time we have problems, we want to pray, God, come. God, come. You said in your word, come. But we haven't realized all the things that we've done, all the things that we've got on us that we have to get out. And Jer- and I've got a lot of scriptures today. So hold on. Jeremiah 4, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. And we were talking at our Bible study the other day, too, which I got convicted because I got so I used my little phone. What if the technology breaks and I can't have my little phone? So I I got convicted because my little phone's easier to put in my purse and carry. But it's the word of God when I have it there in the paper. If the technology goes down, I still have it. It's my kids make fun of me because I still write phone numbers down in my little black book. They make fun of me. Hey, when your phone crashes, I still have the numbers. It's true. When the technology crashes and you can't get the word of God on your phone, you still have your Bible. But you know what? Most people don't know Genesis from Revelation. They don't know any of those in between. And we need, we're living in a time we need to get to know it. We need to get the word of God down in our heart. We need to know that Bible, where that book of the Bible is. Okay, Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord... If you will return to me, and if you will put away your detestable things, and remove your man-made gods from my sight, and not stray or waver. You know, a lot of times we think we don't have man-made gods because we don't have an idol sitting out there in the yard. Or we don't have an idol here at the church where we run and worship. But we have idols, let me tell you. And if you swear your oath as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, 
Then the nations will bless themselves in him, and in him they will glory. For this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem and to the gathering place. Plow up or plow your uncultivated ground for a season and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise, dedicate, sanctify yourself to the Lord and remove the foreskin, which is sins of your heart. Men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire, consuming all that gets in its way, and burn there, and will not be no one to quench it, because of the evil of your acts. And fallow ground means idle, uncultivated, unproductive, untilled ground. And when we talk about the ground, we're talking about our spirit. We're talking about our spirit man. We're talking about the ground inside you where the word of God goes and produces fruit. Not only were the men of Judah and Jerusalem commanded to break up the fallow ground of their hearts, but to take away the thorns growing therein so as to be ready to receive the word of God and produce righteousness instead of sin. When you get ready to come in on Sunday morning, you should have your ground plowed up. You should have those thorns pulled out. You should be ready to receive the word of God. You should not have all those things that sometimes get on us as, through the week. I would like to say that God is commanding TGP not only to break up the fallow grounds of their heart, but he's commanding us to take away the thorns growing therein. So as to be ready to receive the word of God and produce righteousness instead of sin. The command was do not sow of repentance in unfit soil. Prepare the ground properly before sowing them. Regard repentance as serious matter requiring forethought and concerned labor. I'm not sure if I'm getting ahead of myself, but we talk about thorns. What are thorns? What do we sow? And sometimes, you know, it's it's very uh, sneaky, very uh, quick, very unaware of. Sometimes we get unforgiveness. That's a thorn. Sometimes we get lazy. That's a thorn. Sometimes, you know, we think, and I'm not against vacations. I think you need to take vacations. But you know, when your vacation comes every Sunday, every Sunday, and every Sunday, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. When you're too tired to get up and come to church, but yet you're not too tired to go out and do whatever it is you want to do, you're in trouble. And it's not me that says this. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at Pastor Rowe. It's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Because we like to sugarcoat everything. Oh, Lord, I'm so tired this morning. has nothing to do with what anybody said to me this morning. (laughs) Because this was beforehand. Somebody told me that this morning, that they was tired and didn't feel like coming. That's the trick of the enemy. That is the trick of the enemy. The first time you miss, it's hard. The second time, it gets easier. And the third time, till you're so far away, you don't even realize how far away you are. Until you get ready to come back, and then it's a harder trip back because you got all this weight on you. You've got to get all those thorns pulled out. You know, I have this little square thing out in my backyard, and I have like two lilies planted in it. I'm telling you, them weeds take over quicker than anything I know of. They just grow up. Now, my my lilies don't do as well, but the thorns and the thistles do. That's just like we are. 
The thorns and the thistles that get in you will grow before you know what they're doing. Uh, in uh, Jeremiah 4, 1 through 2, this is a message. I don't think I gave that to Pastor Megan. If you want to come back, O Israel, you must really come back to me. You must get rid of your stinking sin paraphernalia and not wander away from me anymore. Then you can say words like, as God lives, and have them mean something true and just and right. And the godless nations, I want you to listen to this, and the godless nations will get caught up in the blessing and find something in Israel to write home about. I'm telling you, when you get your ground plowed up and you get the word planted in there, People are going to find something in GTGP to write home about. They're going to see a difference. And it's not only this church. It is the churches of the, of America. Not American church, but the church of America. They're going to see things that God's doing. They're going to see blessings. They're going to say, I want that. I don't want this message to be condemning. I want it to be challenging. I thought about the Olympics. You know, they just got done. I really didn't watch them. But they just got done with the Olympics. You know, those Olympic people pay big bucks. For those coaches to tell them what they're doing wrong. Do you know your pastor? He probably doesn't get paid big bucks. But he's paid to do what you tell he's wrong. And you know where his paycheck comes from? The biggest part is from God. But he is paid. Do you know those Olympic people? They don't get mad. When the, the coach says, you know, if you do this, you'll get faster time. If you don't do that, you know, you what? And they don't get mad at that coach. But a lot of times people take offense. That's a thorn. They take offense to the word of God, and that's a thorn. And you need to be aware of those thorns that are coming. Hosea 10 and 12, I thought he, you know, he was really, he's a good prophet. But oh my, oh my, oh my. And he, had, he was called to do a lot. If you don't know the story of Hosea, he was, God uh, told him to marry a harlot. And that harlot represented Israel. And yet... He went after her. I wasn't going to say this, but earthy, this kind of earthy, but not too many men I know today would do that. But he was called, and don't get wrong, you have to be called. I mean, God has to definitely call you. You just can't do that. But he was called to marry a harlot as an example to the people. And he had a hard road to hoe, but he was faithful. In Hosea ten twelve, it says, I, I said... Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Now, we've been on love all month. So the Bible says that you have to, to plant a good seed of harvest if you're going to uh, cultivate love, if you're going to harvest love. Christians that have been put uh, out, now we've been uh, talking and showing love to people that need the Lord. And a lot of times we think that that's people coming in. I want to tell you right now, there are a lot of Christian people out there that's been hurt, that are wounded, that are out of the fold, that we need to show love to. We don't have to know their story. We don't have to know their circumstances, but we need to show love to them, and the love of God will bring them back. The love of God will heal that wound. The love of God will draw them to them. But it's just not only the drug addict and the alcoholic, and they do need it. 
But there's a lot of Christian people out there that need that love just as much. And remember to say it to take away the thorns growing therein so as to be ready to receive the word of God and produce righteousness instead of sin. So if you receive the word of God, you're going to produce righteousness instead of sin. So you have to receive it. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Now, I know nobody would raise their hand and say that they have a hard heart, but I'm going to tell you, I've been there before. I've been there before. Of course, I've been around the mountain a time or two, but I've been there before. I've heard hurts, and I've had things, and if you don't watch it, it'll harden your heart. Plow up the ground of your heart, of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Our hearts can become hardened, and we are not capable of sharing the love of God. If our hearts are hard, we cannot, share, we cannot share the love of God. As God has been speaking about loving people with the love of God, we may need to plow our foul ground, the ground of our hearts that has become hardened. And I want to tell you, that's no easy feat. But I want to tell you, it's worth it. If you've been in church two weeks, you've probably had some kind of hurt, so get used to it. Because you know why? Because you're dealing with people. And as long as you're dealing with people, you're going to have this. So don't use that as an excuse. Okay, this is the part where we're going to have to hang on to our seats. Jesus is our example, right? Okay, amen, all that. Jesus is our example. In Hebrews 4.15, I want to get the word to back up what I just said. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations. Who is our high priest? So he is our example. One who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, in every respect as we are, yet without committing a sin. He didn't automatically love. We like to think he did, but he didn't. You know, the Bible said, God is love. Jesus' love isn't in there because I've looked all week. Those words are not in there. God is love. Jesus is our example. I'm sure Peter got on his last nerve. And I'm sure Peter probably pushed every button he had. But he still loved Peter. Even Judas... I'm sure he was disappointed in Judas. I'm sure he'd like to grab Judas and said, what are you doing? But he still loved him. He didn't uh, keep his heart from getting hard. But how did he do that? How did Jesus stay? Because he came as a man just like we are. Now, this blew my mind when God started dealing with me. But he came as an example. Everybody here? Everybody's looking at me like this. Okay. But it's true. Isn't that true? Jesus came as our example. That's what Hebrews 4.15 says. He came to have every human uh, temptation that you had. But he overcome it. But you know what we like to do? A lot of the temptations we like to say, well, that's just the way God made me. God did not make you that way. Go back to Genesis 1. God did not make you that way. All of this stuff did not happen until after the fall of man. 
He did not make you that way. You cannot use that excuse. What it is, is it feels good to the flesh. And because of grace, you think you can do that and then get forgiveness, which you can. But if you dilly-dally around with it too much, you're going to go so far you won't be able to come back. Because sin will have you so. And that's not an excuse. If we want to see people saved and we want to see people healed and we want to see people delivered, we can't be messing around with those fleshly things that, that apply to our flesh. We can't do that. We have got to plow up our fallow ground, break it up, and sow the word of God. And I believe God wants, he wants to do those things right here. But we have got to do it. Okay, uh, in 29... Mark 12, 29 through 31 in the New Living. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Listen, TGP. Listen, Christian. Listen, fellow man. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. doesn't say love the Lord Jesus. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is given greater than these. He plowed up his fallow ground and didn't allow the thorns and thistles to grow. What did Jesus do every morning? He got up before dawn, before everybody else was up. He went and spent time with God, the Father. He went and spent time with him to get filled up. He went and to spend time with God for God to tell him what to do. That's where he got his strength. If when he went to be with God, that's where he got his strength. In John 5, 5, 19 in the Passion, and I would encourage you to get all these different translations too because it opens up your eyes to a lot of things. So Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. The son is able, unable to do anything for, from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing, for the son does the same works as the father. And remember, he's your example. Jesus is your example. He only did what the father told him to do. And that's what we need to do. Only what the father tells us to do. He's our example. In Matthew 26, 39, in the King James, well, back to the old king. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. This is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was going to the cross. He was getting ready to be crucified. And he said, Not my will but yours be done. He didn't say, oh God, I love those people so much I want to die for them. That's not what he said. He said, not my will, but yours be done. I about fell off my chair when I got that. And in Matthew 26, 42, again, he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. The reason Jesus went to the cross was to do the will of the Father. God had this plan back in Genesis when the fall of man. He had this plan to redeem people because he wanted a family. He wanted those people to come in. And this was his plan of our salvation. 
And Jesus is our example to do the will of the Father. He not only sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, but he also gives us the keys to the kingdom. But I want you to remember that Jesus is our example. And he came that we can do it too. He said, if I do it, you can do it. It wasn't the exact word. I paraphrased that. But he said that. If I can do it, you can do it. But you can't do it on your own strength. You can't do it with all those thorns and thistles in your, in your ground. You have to plow it up and get the word of God in there. You have to plow it up. And then when he sent the Holy Spirit, he didn't only send the Holy Spirit. Make sure I don't turn too many pages there. I will get lost. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? I know. Okay, Matthew sixteen nineteen in the Amplified. Now, this is a, this is a ringer. I will give you, how many of you think it says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom? Nobody's going to f- confess. <laughs> I thought it was keys to the kingdom, and I couldn't find it anywhere. You know why? It's not keys to the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys are authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful, on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare, lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. The word of usually means to a connection or belonging. The word to is a direction, refers to direction. When he gave you the keys of the kingdom, you were belonging. You have a connection. That is your power. That is your power. You know, um, the signet ring back in uh, Joseph, back when Joseph uh, was, was, you know, put second in command over Egypt. And the king gave him a signet ring. Remember the signet ring? Okay. Uh, in the Song of Solomon, the Lord says to set him as a seal upon our hearts. Now, in this verse from in Haggai 2.23, it says, On that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, says the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. He says he'll make him like a signet ring. The signet ring throughout history was the king's ring. Who's our king? Okay. Throughout history, it was the king's ring that held the power to make laws, to set seals, send forth edicts, or change a command given by the leader. You may remember in Esther's story, Mordecai is awarded the king's signet ring when Haman has to give up the position beheld. Mordecai was able to send out a new order of the Jews to rise up and defend themselves, the saying. In Haggai, God spoke through him to Zerubbabel, he was the governor of Judah, to tell him all things were changing in the kingdoms of the world. In today's world, the kingdoms of this world are definitely being shaken. Everywhere we turn, this world is being shaken. 
We must turn our eyes upon the seal of the Father of God. Who did he give that to? We have to. Pastor Rose mentioned it earlier. We have to. We have to uh, give the, the signal ring of the Father, God, and upon his signet ring, in order to grow each day where we have been planted, we must learn to exercise the authority given to us by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to exercise. You know, when Joseph took that ring and put his mark on it, you know, years ago, you're probably too young to remember this too, but years ago they used to take wax and seal envelopes and letters. I learned that in history. I'm not that old. I did learn that in history. I'm not that old. But they did. The signet ring was kind of similar because when they put that ring down and put that seal on it, it was, it was done. God gave us the keys of the kingdom. That is your signet ring. He gave us the keys of the kingdom that we have all power. Not what we want, but what the word of God says. We have all power. As believers in Lord Jesus Christ, we have the authority residing inside of us. God has given the position of full authority. But you know what? If you don't know what your authority is, you can't do it. And so again, it points back to you have to get in the word of God and know what your authority is. And I will say, have you ever known somebody that kind of pushed authority around? That's not what God wants either. So, so don't get the big head and the big shot and start pushing around like that because that's not what God wanted. But he gave you the authority through the keys of the kingdom. We have that signet ring because of that. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And he put all things in every round and subjected under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme, supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things and all believers. Who's our example? He gave us. He put all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him as supreme head over all things. Jesus gave that authority to us when he gave us the keys of the kingdom. He gave us that authority. Doesn't this blow your mind? But I want to tell you, God is saying, get with it. Get with it. Get with it. Because, you know, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. And, you know, when the, the Taliban over in Afghanistan started, they didn't take all of Afghanistan on one shot. They took it a city at a time. That's just exactly how the devil will take you. One little thing at a time. One little thing at a time. And God is saying, I gave you the power to overcome it. When you are tempted to let your eyes wander here or there or wherever, I am telling you. You know, the first time you're critical of a person, it might be hard. But the longer you're critical, the easier it becomes. Everything you do, the first time you do it, it's hard. But the more you do it and the let it go, the easier it gets. Since the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside us, he wants us to use that power as his stamp 
his signet ring upon our lives to rule and reign with him. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead goes within you. You have the power. You're no weakling. Well, you can't be a weakling if you don't do what God wants you to do. You can be a weakling if you don't get in the word of God and know what it says. But when you get in that word of God, you're you're strong. It is not you. It's that Holy Spirit that's within you. It's that spirit that's in you that's going to raise things up, that's going to make changes, that's going to do things. And God's saying, break up your fallow ground. Just as an example, he showed us how to live when he was here on earth. That's why he came. He came to show us what we could do. He came to show us how to live. He came to show us and be our example. But his yoke is easy and his burden's light. When we allow him to work through us and we don't try and do the work ourselves. His burdens is easy. It's light. His burdens are light. His yoke is easy. And I want to say, Father, grant us the courage to be people in the earth today, to stand strong in the power of your might, to move in authority. You have given to each one of us as your children. Give us that strength. Give us that strength. If you have received a word from the Lord, and Pastor Teresa hit on this, if you have received a word from the Lord, and we didn't talk about the sermon either. She knew nothing about it. This is God. This is God. And we need to wake up. If you've received a word from the Lord and you're wondering if it's ever going to come to be. Anybody been there? I want you to grab hold of scripture. The word of God is the best and most accurate prophecy that you can receive. The word of God. It's the word of God. The children of Israel had waited a long time for this. This was the second generation. You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they didn't take them long to start grumbling and complaining. And that's what we do. And then they had all those other situations that they grumbled and complained. Didn't have any meat. Didn't have any manna. Didn't have this. Didn't have that. Didn't have any water. Okay, this was after they crossed Jordan that Teresa mentioned about in Joshua. And was in the promised land. And he says almost the same thing twice. In Joshua 21 and 45 in the New Living Translation. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. God gave you a promise. He's going to fulfill it. But you know the problem with the Israelites, only two of them waited on it. Joshua and Caleb, that's the only two that waited on it. The rest of them didn't make it over into the promised land. I certainly don't want to be one that dies over in the, in the desert. I want to make it into the promised land. Uh, and was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came to true. I want to tell you, if God spoke it, it's going to come true. It's going to happen. In Joshua twenty three fourteen, this was when Joshua was getting ready to die. He said, soon I will die, going in the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God, came true. Not a single one has failed. 
If God's give you a scripture and he spoke to your heart, it's going to come. But you know, it's just like the children of Israel you and Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says that they had a different spirit than the rest of them grumbling people. He had, they had a different spirit. Okay, when you stay true to God and he's told you something, it's going to come to pass. But you have to stay true to God. You have to keep that word fresh in your heart. And you have to stay true to God. Joshua was getting ready to go to be with the Lord. And he reminded the people that, of God's word. He reminded them of the word. Uh, this is a prophetic word for somebody. Maybe all of us. I don't know. You were just about ready to give up. Just like... Pastor Teresa was saying, you're getting ready to give up. And you say, it's never going to happen in your heart. You know, a lot of times the children of Israel didn't complain out in public. They complained in their tent. God still heard them. He heard their complaints. He knew their heart. Okay? But I want to tell you that Satan is a liar. I won't want you to give up. Satan's a liar. It's going to be fulfilled if God said it. But you have to stay true to the word. You don't want to die in the wilderness like the children of Israel. You want to be like Joshua and Caleb and go over into the promised land. But you have to stay true. You have to keep that same spirit. Second Corinthians 1 and 20 in New King James, it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. You know, we get real excited. I don't know how many football fans we have in here. I know you are. We get real excited when Ohio State makes a winning touchdown. I know some people boo when Ohio State makes a winning touchdown. But a high Buckeye, true Buckeye fans still say, yay, I got a lot of money. <laughs> okay, or when Michigan, blue. Boy, we need prayer. No, it's okay. They stand up. And when the Alabama Crimson Tides couldn't leave out Alabama, okay, when they make a winning touchdown, everybody, everybody, you know, gets excited. I remember one time, it was like, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the morning. Jerry never liked football. I was up in the, in the living room. He had already, I was just hooping and hollering because we came from behind and we was winning. He came out in the living room. He says, what on earth are you watching? But he didn't like football. But I told him, you know. But we get excited. But you know what? We're all on the same team. We are all there. When we get a touchdown, we should stand up and glorify God. When we get a victory, we should shout it out. We've had victories here today. Now, I, if you are believing God for a promise that he hasn't fulfilled, and you need that encouragement, if you're standing on the word of God and you say, oh, my Lord, how much longer? I want you to hold on. If you can and you will, I want you to stand on your feet and I want you to praise God like you would if that football team was going to make that winning touchdown because we have made the winning touchdown. Jesus died. The Holy Spirit, he rose from the dead. We have already, we have already, we have already stand. We have already, we have already stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for victory. Thank you, Lord, for victory. We praise you, Lord, that the promises of God are true. We praise you, Lord, that they will be fulfilled. We praise you, God, that your word is true. In the name of Jesus, your word is true. And it will come to pass. It will come to pass in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, we will see those people saved. We will see them set free. We will see drug addicts delivered, alcoholics set free. We will see those children come to the Lord. We will see the kingdom of God grow in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that you are faithful to your word. I thank you, God, that all your promises are yes and amen, that you do what you say you will do. I thank you for your peace and your comfort and your joy. I thank you, Lord, for the faith that you put within each one of us. I just pray, God, that we draw closer to you. Lord, that we see what you want. We see what you see. And, Lord, we see victory. We see victory in the TGP. But we see victory in Marion. We see victory in Upper. We see victory in Bucyrus. We see victory wherever we go, God. Because the presence of the Lord goes with us. The presence of the Lord goes before us to prepare the way. We just thank you and we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we just praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.